Praise God for the band. Uh, the worship band just played, yeah, they just played this original. Uh, I, I don't know if you know, they have a lot of originals, and they're really good. They're really good. Uh, there's like hundreds of thousands of views on YouTube for the, the different videos that they've put out. If you haven't been like filling your house with the amazing music that the Hope, Hope musicians are creating, like bless yourself and just get on YouTube and, and check that out. Uh, but they, they wrote that song and it's from Psalm 103, which is actually uh, what our Bible reading was from as well. Nice job, Levi, reading that. Thank you for doing that. Uh, and it fits perfectly with what today is. Today is Ash Wednesday, Ash Wednesday, and it marks the very beginning of a 40-day journey to celebrate Easter, and why do we do ashes? What's the deal with the ashes? You got some stuff on your forehead, you got a smudge. Actually, I literally, like, right before I walked up, I was, like, I smudged from the earlier service, the cross, and I went up to Corey, our, our intern pastor, and I said, Corey, did I just, like, make it a blob on my, on my forehead? And she's, she, she, she kind of mommed me a little bit. She's like, come here, and she fixed it. <laughs> I'm like, gold star for you, intern Corey, gold star for you. Uh, but we're going to receive ashes uh, at the end of this service. Uh, and so if you're tuning in online, uh, I encourage you, light a candle. Uh, light a candle on them at the end of the service. When we get to that point, I'll tell you when you can extinguish that candle, and you'll be able to get ashes from the wick that way. But this night, this service, this day, it's really about the fact that as human beings, we have lots of limitations in life. Lots of limitations. We face all sorts of limitations. And I don't know about you, if you're, if you're like me, you don't like limitations. I was thinking of just a few of them that like bug me a little bit. And I just want to know, well, let's play a little game, okay? And before we put it, put it on the screen, I want you to actually participate in this game, okay? Like you're allowed to like raise your hand or say, that's me or something like that. Actually, we're going to do that. We're just going to practice. One, two, three, that's me. One, two, three. Okay, all right. Now let's look at the first one. Which one is worse? Speed limits, especially low speed limits, or someone driving under the speed limit? Or when you're walking through the hallway and there's a slow walker? You know what I'm talking about? And they're just moseying through the whole hallway. Okay, if you're a speed limit person, that's the worst one. Say, that's me. If you're a slow walker person, like, I can't have that in my life. Say, that's me. Oh man, that is, it's awful, right? Don't be that person, okay? Don't, just don't be it. All right, here's another limitation that we face in life. Oh man, okay, so, so have any of you tried this? You're like, I'm on my phone too much. I'll just put one of those, those screen time limitations on it. Of course, they put this lovely little button here that says ignore limit. That's what I do. It's like, oh, I've been on Instagram for this long, ignore. I need, I need, I need five more minutes. Five more minutes, mom, you know. And so there's that one. Of course, then there's the, the, I mean, the dreaded, I don't know, like an alarm in the morning says your sleep limit is done. You have reached your sleep limit. And if you're with me, you know that alarms are from Satan, okay? <laughs> they are, all right? So if, if uh, screen time of any kind, you know, some sort of screen limit, if that's the thing that bugs you, say, that's me. I heard a lot of kids. <laughs> that was hilarious. If alarms bug you, say, that's me. A lot of adults. Okay, that's awesome. All right, let's go to the next one. Let's go. You know, like when you pack your lunch and you're like, I'm going to pack a healthy lunch. 
because I don't want to, you know, overeat or anything like that. And then in the afternoon, you're like, what have I done to myself? You know? And, and so you're trying to limit, you know, your calorie intake. You're, you're trying to make sure that you don't go over the limit. But then, like, oh, then you get to dinner, and you're like Snoopy on top of his house here, and you just ate too much. You, like, went way over the limit. Okay, so which one's rougher? When you're way too hungry, say, that's me. When you've overeaten to the point where you're so uncomfortable... Uh, there was like a little, there's a little pause of like, do I want to admit that? Okay, here's, here's one more. Uh, I mean, if you're here in the room, you made the trek through potentially hazardous, you know, storms. Uh, so there's, there's like snow and weather. Weather is a limitation that we face, right? Especially if it limits us to get here. And I know that there's lots of folks, you're tw- you know, tuning in online and maybe you're, you were planning on being at one of our local sites and just all of like northern Iowa right now is shut down. So weather can limit us, right? And so I'm just like, oh, bring on the spring. And then I was thinking about it. I was like, uh-oh, when the spring gets here, that means the allergies get here. So if you're more worried about snow and ice, say, that's me. If you get annoyed by the limitation of allergies, say, that's me. Hey, you know, it's us, isn't it? It's us. Limitations are hard for us. No matter what they are. And these are kind of, kind of silly ones, right? These are sort of lighthearted ones, but they get pretty serious pretty quick. Here's a few. Uh, well, look at this sweet little girl. She's so sad. You must be this tall to ride. <laughs> that's sad. Oh, man, that's, that's a sad limitation. But uh, here's, here's kind of just some more serious ones, though. Like, when you look at, like, our physical bodies, and, and before I get too serious, I'm like, uh, I was, like, thinking about, Oh, my physical body, you know, like I, I could probably, imagine if I went to play in the Super Bowl, right? Can you imagine that? Little Nick out there with his helmet and his shoulder pads and these big like 5,000 pound linebackers just like crunching me, okay? I have some limitations. It doesn't matter how often I work out or how much protein or protein or whatever it is that you put in your smoothie, okay? I could have all of that and, I, and no way. I have some limits, and if I don't respect those, it's going to be a problem. Uh, so whatever, whatever your physical body's limitations are, and they can get very serious, right? Whether it's illness or, or whether it's limitations of, of you know, I, I don't know if we're going to be able to make it for Christmas this year because traveling is just too hard at this age. Or, there's all sorts of different things about how our bodies limit us. Even just the fact that our bodies limit us to one spot. You can't be two places at once. How many of you would love to be able to be two places at once? That'd make life so much easier. I heard someone say, that's me over there, yeah. Our family of origin, that's another, another limitation. And just because it's a limitation doesn't mean it's not a blessing. But there's a lot of us in the room that if, we, if we're like, man, if I had a different mom or a different dad or a different situation growing up, man, I wonder where I would be. Some of us were like, man, I... I know I wouldn't be where I am if I didn't have that family situation. And so it can determine what limitations we face in our life. 24 hours in a day, how about that one? Okay, I heard uh, someone say, I can't even remember who it was because I've heard multiple people say it. Because I think it's just true for pastors. If you want to never run out of transformational material, preach the Bible. If you want to never run out of Material, preach on your weaknesses. So here's my weakness, everyone. There's 24 hours in a day. Guess how many things I try to do? At least 27 hours every day. It's, just, it's almost insane. And it never works. I try to just, 
cram as much into my day as I possibly can. And usually it's because I don't want to let somebody down or there's just, there's just so many things. And, and I don't want you hearing like, oh, no, Hope's got their, their pastors too busy. Like there's seasons of these things where, where like that happens. But here's the deal. I noticed, oh, this was maybe like uh, six, seven weeks ago. I noticed on my phone that my screen time had gotten to an embarrassingly high amount. Have, have you noticed on your, on your phone you can see how many hours you know what the average number of hours for teenagers is? Can you take a guess? I heard it. I heard, someone said 12. That's, that's not okay. If it's, it's not 12. 21. That's hilarious. Eight hours. Eight hours. A day. That's a full-time job, everybody. And then some. That's a lot of time on a screen. Mine wasn't that bad, but I said that's not okay, and it's amazing. I mean, just a few small tweaks on my phone. You might think that I'm crazy. Okay, you're probably going to think I'm crazy. I took the color off my phone. Everything is more boring looking now. I'm not as addicted. It is great. It is fantastic. So for whatever that's I'm not saying you have to do that to be a good Christian. I'm just saying, like, I found, get this, I found an extra two to two and a half hours every day just by making some small changes to my phone. It's like, what could I do with an extra two to two and a half hours? More work, you know, that's what I could do. I could get more work done, more email done. I could, and, and I just keep cramming things into my life. As though there's more hours than 24 hours. I gotta, I gotta keep moving. So there's the relationships we have. There's the responsibilities we have. Uh, relationships for me, that meant my kids. Uh, you know, I heard someone say once that if, when you have children, you might as well name them limitation number one, limitation number two, limitation number three. I, 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 uh, and I, I really registered with that because before we had kids, before we had kids, if we wanted to go somewhere, you know what we did? We just got up and went. Do you know what we do now? We have a WWE wrestling match with shoes and coats and water bottles and like all the stuff to just get out the door. It takes like three hours to get kids to church. Can I get an amen from anyone that has little kids trying to get to church? Yeah, yeah, okay. And by the way, uh, when you're wrestle- in the wrestling match, I want you to know that's part of your worship that day. You're doing the right thing, mom and dad. You really are. You really are. So keep doing it. Keep doing the wrestling match. It's worth it. Our past choices, they can limit our life, the talents that we have, or if they have more talent than we do, what if they get the promotion, the money that we have. And here's the thing about limits is there's limits that we hit and we don't have the ability to go past them, but then there's limits that we should stop. Some people call these boundaries. We should stop at a certain point, but we can blow right past it, can't we? We try to cram more than 24 hours of things into one 24-hour day. We stuff more food into our body than, than our body should have or could have to be healthy. We spend more money than we make consistently. And there's all these different ways that our limitations, where we can surpass them, but there's some things that some things that come from that. See, the Bible, it talks about how we're limited. 
It's in the first book of the Bible, the book of Genesis. Adam and Eve, they, they are in the garden. They sin against God. They don't trust his word. And, and so they, they sin. And God is just saying, hey, he, in a very poetic way, he's saying, here's what the natural consequences are. Because you don't trust me. The natural consequences of this is, is sin is going to take life from you. God says that you were made from dust and to dust you will return. This is the same thing that will be said to you when you receive ashes later in our service. Remember your dust and to dust you'll return. You know what that means? It means that Adam used to be dirt. Adam was a bunch of Adam, A-T-O-M-S. Adam was just Adams, and, and God took the, the matter, and he formed that matter into a human being. And he breathed the, the breath of life into Adam, and the human being became more than an elaborate mud pie. The human being became a human being, became Adam. And because of sin, the, that breath that makes us more than just elements, and molecules, and matter, that breath of life, well, you've, you've probably seen someone who's died before, where there's no breath of life anymore. The, the matter is, is mostly just all still there, but we came from dust, and we're going to return to dust. Death is easily the biggest, most gruesome, and the most guaranteed limit that we will face. All of us will face it. We all will. I thought about starting this sermon. I was talking to my wife about it. I thought about starting the message and saying, well, Ash Wednesday is a reminder that we're all going to die. Welcome to church. And she said, Nick, don't do that. Don't do that, Nick. <laughs> She's smart, right? She's pretty smart. You can't start that way. That's, that's just not the way to do it. And I know that that sounds like a downer, but actually there's a reason why we remember this reality. There's a reason why. And there's a reason why it's very healthy to do so. Because when we ignore our limitations whether it's death or whether it's the amount of time on our phone or, or uh, you know, how much food you're putting in your body or what other substances you're putting in your body, when we ignore our limitations, when we try to cram too much into a day consistently, when we, when we try to extend ourselves again and again and again and again, ignoring our limitations leads to exhaustion. It's kind of like if, you know, you're swimming and all of a sudden something goes wrong and and you need help. A lifeguard could throw you a ring buoy or a lifesaver. They could throw that to you. But if you're like, hold on, no, no, don't throw that yet. And you're just like thrashing in the water. And, and you know what the worst thing that you could do while you're trying to not drown is get to total exhaustion. And the truth is that when we ignore our limitations again and again and again, you might not be in the water physically, but mentally and emotionally and spiritually or whatever your, your relational situation is, you might be, have been thrashing and thrashing and have been approaching exhaustion for quite some time. If you're consistently exhausted, it's probably a sign 
that you're ignoring some limits. And when I say you, that's me. That's me. I do that all the time. And when I was praying about this message, I was like, God, what, what do you want to say in this message? It's like, you know I want to say something to you, right? That I'm here to help you. I, I throw this out to you. I'm here for you, God says. But you know what we do is when we ignore our limits, we say, God, I got it. I can do this without you. Here's the thing that none of us would actually say out loud, but really what it means when we ignore our limits. It means that we don't think that we're human. We think that we're better than that. Or that we should be better than that. And so we become exhausted trying to frantically achieve in our career or frantically perfect our kids or frantically whatever it is in our life. And our frantic nature, thrashing in the water, leads to exhaustion. Are you tired yet? But here's, here's some good news. The good news is that when we acknowledge that we have limitations, it leads to salvation. When we acknowledge that, okay, I do need some help, we actually can say, help! And then a life ring comes out to us, or a ring buoy, or whatever you want to call that thing that they made a candy out of. Lifesavers, that's what I always think of, the candy, right? Because, like, who doesn't love candy? Anyway, the, the lifesavers, okay? This lifesaver, it's thrown to you. And I just want to talk to some of you for a minute, because some of you, you need some help. But you've been trying to be tough. And you're exhausted. And it's not a good place to be. The Bible says that you're dust, and the more exhausted that you are, the closer you are to becoming dust again. You're just dust. You can take the pressure off of having to be a big, tough man, whatever that means. Or you can take the pressure off of no one will understand that is a lie. Did you know that sitting around you right now, there are so many people just within this church family, in this room right now, or wherever you're tuning in in from, you have people. You have people that are for you. They're here, and we want to extend a a lifesaver to you. And if you can't admit that you need help, you won't get it. But the moment that we admit, okay, You know, it hasn't been going great and maybe it would be a little easier with some help. That is the moment that your heart becomes open to maybe experience the help that you need. Or in your relationship with God. Oh God, I'll clean up my sin. I don't need you to do that. Good luck with that. You're going to get exhausted. But when you can acknowledge, God, I'm limited. I cannot do this. On my own. That leads to grace. That leads to salvation. The lifesaver is thrown to you. This is what it says from the scriptures. And I found this. This gave me a lot of peace this week when I was reading it. It says, for he knows how weak we are. He remembers that we are only dust. Do you? Do you remember that you're dust? You're just atoms? You're an elaborate mud pie. Of course, God has breathed the breath of life into you. 
And someone could read this and say, oh yeah, God just knows how, how bad I am. Well, he does. He knows all of your sins. You, you can't keep secrets from him. But really what this verse is telling us is that he knows you're limited. He knows what happened to you when you were younger. He knows where you come from. He knows the struggle of your existence. He knows what it's like. He sees you and he knows. Sometimes we just think that God just looks at everyone and says, oh, well, that person, they performed worse than that person and that is the only thing. That he, no, he's looking at motive too. He's looking at history too. God is a great and just judge. And the truth is that when, we, when any of us put our lives before him, none of us can stand. We're just dust. But he knows it. And because he knows this, the scripture, it goes on to say this a little bit later. It says, but the love of the Lord, while we don't remain forever, while our bodies die, our bodies, they're, they're like wildflowers. They bloom for a bit. Some of you, you're blooming. You look great. It's awesome. Some of you, you're like, I'm not blooming anymore. And it's not just, oh, there's a few more wrinkles. Some of you, let's just be honest, you're suffering. You're going through a lot. Been a lot of hospital visits in this church lately. It's a lot of us that are going through so much, but when we go through so much as dust, we also go through it with the love of God. And that love, the love of the Lord, it remains forever. And it says specifically, with those who fear him. Everyone say, fear him. Okay, so fear him, this word gets a lot of confusion in the Bible. Fear him sounds like, oh no, he's going to strike me with lightning. He's going to make me into dust much sooner. And there's a lot of people that this is how they relate to God. And that might be just because that's the way that your home was growing up. Or that might just be the way that church was growing up. Or that just might be the way that some religious person talked to you once. Or that movie portrayed God or, or whatever it is. But the way that the Bible talks about fearing God has nothing to do with being afraid of him, like looking for your sins and being excited to smite you. He's not. What God is saying is that when you fear God, what that means is that you acknowledge the truth. That without him, you're not going to make it through death. Without him, your limitations are, well, they're your limitations. And if you want to make it beyond that, that you're going to have a fear, a reverence, a respect, a gratitude even. That the kind of love that God has for me, dust, an elaborate mud pie, that the creator of the universe is who made all these beautiful things, all these incredible things, is, is very, very interested in this elaborate mud pie that's going to turn into a bunch of dust. I can't make myself, maybe if I'm, you know, work out a lot, need a lot of spinach, I can like add a few years to the end. Gotta love spinach, right? God's leaf. I don't know. That's, I won't say that in the next service. No, that's a bad joke. <laughs> but even if we do all that, you're still dust. You're still dust. But when we acknowledge 
that we have limitations, we see salvation. See, the thing that I love about this whole passage is that it begins talking about God as this tender heavenly father who is compassionate towards his kids. Can you imagine if I was looking at my kids and, uh, who are three and five and said, why aren't you acting like you're 28? Why don't you go get a job and, and you, you go out there and you need to pay your own bills. You're five now. That's ridiculous, right? And God knows that you're limited. He sees them. And he has grace for you, like a compassionate father. And so instead of saying, you need to go, you know, make your own way, and then I will love you. Then you can be in my family. Then I'll be happy to be your dad. Instead, he says, I love you, my elaborate mud pie. Because you're way more than just a bunch of matter. You matter way much more than that. See, he's a good father. When I was trying to think of like a good father illustration, there's one that came to mind and, and maybe it's because I grew up in this church and I've seen it maybe, a, I don't know, 47 times, uh, something like that. Like we, we play this clip in Alpha, if you've been a part of our Alpha class and, and all sorts of things, but it's just so good, people. It's just so good because it illustrates the compassion that we're talking about. See, back in 1992, there was uh, this Olympic runner named Derek Redmond. And he had already not made it four years earlier. He had an injury, and, and uh, so things didn't work out for him. And he was back four years later. He was in the qualifying rounds. And this is one of the top runners in the whole world. This is his moment. He's ready to push his body to the limits and to compete at the highest level that you possibly could. And then, of course, he bumped up against his limits. And take a look at what happened to Derek. Derek's father. He sees his baby boy 
one of the strongest runners in the entire world, hit his limits, and now he's suffering. And doing every, he's limping along, doing everything that he can, trying to just finish the race, to do the thing that he, he thought that he was made to do in life. And now it's not working out. And he wasn't going to get another chance. And so his father comes down and, and he pushes his way through the, the people that are, are controlling the crowd. And he comes to his son. And did you see the hat that he had on? It was a Nike hat. It said, just do it. And there's a, please don't under, misunderstand this message. I don't want you to hear this message and, and think that there's no place for just do it. Where like you push through, you push through your limits and you, you achieve something great in this world. That, there's totally a place for that. Jesus is a perfect example of that. But Jesus is God. And at some point, you hit your limits. And if you can't admit them, if you can't acknowledge them, they'll crush you. And so his had it said, just do it. But in that moment, his dad's hat wasn't just do it. He says, let me go with you. See, this... Scripture, it says that the Lord is like a father to his children, tender and compassionate to those who fear him, to those that can acknowledge the fact that I'm limping along and I need some support. I need some help, God. I need you to do what I cannot do. I need more than what I am capable of giving right now. Because I'm just, I'm dust. And to dust, I'll return. Your heavenly Father knows your limitations. And he knows your pain. In fact, I want you to know this, that Jesus knows your limitations personally. Jesus took on flesh. He put on a nervous system just like yours and mine. Jesus, he, he, was, he limited himself to one location fully God and fully man at the exact same time. And he experienced the exact same limitation that all of us will face, death. And he was crucified. Why? Was it just to be like, wow, you're, you're impressive. Wow, Jesus, what a nice guy. No, it was much deeper than that. It was to take what is dust and going back to dust and give it hope. It was to take the dust of your life, the things that will not last and make you last. Because when the dust of your life settles, the cross still remains. God's love still remains. His love knows no limits. It knows no bounds. His love is for you. And so he knew your pain, your limitations, so that you could know his grace, that you could experience his unlimited love. So that you could have the life saver thrown to you. And that you saying, okay, I, I need more than I can do on my own. That you 
could find his salvation. Jesus knows your limitations, so you get to know his limitless love for you. Do you know it? Or are you still thrashing around in the water, still limping along in the race, saying, I can do this on my own, I can do this on my own, I can do this on my own. My friend, you're dust. You're dust. And you're, I'm sure you're strong. You're probably stronger than most of us, but you're not strong enough for death. You're just not. And I want you to know that you don't have to wait until you're old and you know, maybe going to pass away because, frankly, you're not guaranteed that you'll get old before you pass away. Done too many funerals for young people in this, this church. It's, just, it's sad. But we live in this world that's ashes and dust. And we need more. We need Jesus. We need his unlimited love. We need something that can overcome death. And so... For the next 40 days, we're preparing our hearts. We're admitting our limitations. Some of us will even fast. We'll take on limitations on purpose (laughs) so that we can make room for God's limitless love. The love that leads to new life, the love that leads to everlasting life. So the final thing that we're going to do in our service today is that we're going to receive the ashes on our forehead, a forehead that's not going to be around forever, as a reminder that you are dust, and to dust you shall return. After that, you'll receive the promise of, of God. Through the body and blood of Jesus Christ, you'll receive communion, and through faith receive the forgiveness of your sins, the gift of new and everlasting life. So I want to invite our, our communion servers and our ash dispensers. I don't know, the ash people. You, get, you come down here too. I want to explain how this is going to work. The ushers are going to dismiss you row by row. And when you do come down, they're, they're going to put the ashes on your head. They'll say that, that Bible verse. Remember, you came from dust and to dust you'll return. And right after that, you're going to receive his body and his blood. What they'll do is they'll put a little piece of bread into your hands. And then they'll, you can take that bread and you can eat it. Then there's a little cup and you can grab the cup of either the dark colored wine or the light colored grape juice. If you need allergy free, we have that available over here. If you're worshiping with us online, I encourage you right now, it'd be a great time to extinguish that candle or, or get whatever elements that you have. And then I encourage you just to, to make the sign of the cross on your forehead and to receive the body and blood of Jesus. But here's the main thing for all of us. In the room, not in the room. When you come with faith, God shows up for you. When you come with faith, his unlimited love shows up for you. He knows, and so he loves. So let's pray our table grace, the Lord's prayer. The words will be on the screen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, and thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who've trespassed against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Before the ushers dismiss you, hear the words of Christ's promise to you. 
On the night in which he was betrayed, he took bread, he broke it, and he gave it to his disciples saying, take this and eat, this is my body, it's broken for you, for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in the remembrance of me. After the supper, he took the cup and he said, this is the cup of the new covenant. It's poured out in my blood for you and for all people, for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in the remembrance of me. Remember that you're dust. But remember, you're more than an elaborate mud pie to Jesus Christ. You are his beloved. So come and receive his grace and his love.